Welcome here, I'm Mel Sienna Madgwick. Through the miracles of Mother Mary, the heart of Venus, soul of Sophia, the magic of Mother Isis, and the holy grail of Mary Magdalene, we journey deep into the stars and the cosmos, into the ethereal realms of the heavens with the angels, where we are met by a greater wisdom, that of the mysteries of the Divine Mother and the temples of women who are empowered to use the gifts of the veil. Here we bring you a sacred home of love, soul, miracles, and magic. Today on the podcast, we have the beautiful Demi. Could you please tell us a bit about yourself? Sure. My name's Demi, or Demelza Fox. I'm from England, and I'm a priestess of Morgan Fay, a devotee of Venus, a scent priestess, a merophore, a dancer, a lover of peanut butter, and I train priestesses of Avalon. Beautiful. And... So where, what are you actually doing on the priestess path? I know you've shared a little bit with us just now, but do you do the priestess path full time? And if so, can you tell us a bit more about that? I am a full-time witchy priestess, mostly on the internet. And my work is mostly with Morgan Le Fay, who for me is the goddess of Avalon and the guide, the midwife of priestesses. And for her, I run the Morgan Le Fay Mystery School, which is a mystery school devoted to living and learning the arts of Avalon by using Morgan Le Fay as our guide, which means that when you work with Morgan Le Fay in the Avalon path, she makes everything, how do I say it? She is both very magical and sparkly and otherworldly, and she's also okay, let's put our hands in the mud and repot those plants. She's both very grounded and very magical. So the Morgan Le Fay path is very much blending the two and being very practical about your priestess path. So it's very earthy. So I run the Morgan Le Fay Mystery School where I train sisters and siblings of Morgan Le Fay. And I train priestesses of Avalon who want to work in the arts of Avalon, which is death, uh, celebration and sisterhood or siblinghood which is very cool. And it's very, very fun to do that. And I'm also very, I think the funny thing about the priestess path is that you can be really called to service of one thing. Like in this life for me, Morgan Le Fay is my girl. I've got to go do the Morgan stuff. I've got to go do the Avalon stuff. I live here in England, like four hours away from Glastonbury. And I spent a lot of my childhood in the wilds of Wales. So that's the ancestral lineage of the land that I live in. But my heart, my personal soul flavor is very Aphrodite. It's a very Aphrodite. And that lineage of rose priestesses who celebrate life and beauty and sex and death and are just really awake to drink in every single gift that life has to give us. So... And I'm also quite ADHD, so I can't possibly ever focus on one thing. So I teach Venus mysteries, Aphrodite mysteries, just because I love them so much. And in my previous life, before I was doing priestessing full-time, I was a full-time performer and I was a belly dancer. I was a professional mermaid and my dance practice and my performance practice for me, as I've kind of grown up 
And you know how you're on a spiritual path and it takes you, as you get older, thing the wisdom begins to come, which was very gloriously absent for a very long time. I'm beginning to see that the dance path and the art path is as much a part of the spiritual path as anything ever was. And for me, creating beauty is an act of goddess. That's what it is. So blending the divine with my art and dance practice is also what I do. And I perform as a sacred dancer wherever I can, really. I usually perform as a sacred dancer at the Glastonbury Goddess Conference every year. And I priestess there as well. Look after people and basically a mother duck. And I look after a group of ducklings and make sure everyone has a lovely time. And that's my priestess path. That's what I get up to. I love that so much. And so for those who don't know, can you tell us a bit more about Morgan Le Fay and how she can really help us on that priestess path? So gladly. Morgan Le Fay, in my opinion, is the coolest thing in the world. So I will talk about this forever. Morgan Le Fay is a modern name for an ancient goddess that we don't the thing about the Celtic goddesses is they were not worshipped in the same way that the Roman goddesses were and the Greek goddesses were. There aren't a lot of their churches were outside. Their temples were outside in groves of trees. So there are not buildings built to honor them. They were not really made with sculptures that have survived. They don't have icons or sculptures really that survive. There's the occasional coin from the Roman times, but not a lot, but not a lot. So a lot of our modern Celtic goddesses, I really, really believe, probably don't have the same name they had back in the day. And I think Morgan Le Fay is one of them. Morgan Le Fay is a shape-shifting goddess of magic and wisdom, truth and transformation of women's mysteries and the moon and very, very importantly of power because there is this big tradition of Celtic goddesses being goddesses of sovereignty, which basically means goddesses who are empowered and have the ability to empower others and call people into a right relationship with integrity. That's what I think sovereignty goddess means in the modern context. And Morgan Le Fay, we first find her appearance in about 11, I'm going to say 1160. Let's see if I'm lying. And by Geoffrey of Monmouth, who was a chap, a Christian cleric who loved to write stuff down. And he was writing this book called the Vita Malini, which was a collection of old folk stories from where he lived, Monmouth, which is in Wales or on the edge of Wales in England. And he was writing down all these old legends of the Celts and embellishing them heavily and kind of putting his own stamp on stuff, as you're likely to do. And that's where the first mention of Morgan Le Fay is. And she's described as the most charming and magnetic and warm woman in all of the British Isles. And she's just fabulous and charming. And she knows the name of every single plant and potion and she can heal anything. And she's so clever and she can transform into a bird and fly away to every single university and great place of learning all over Europe to learn whatever it is she needs. And she has nine sisters. Nope, that's a lie. She has eight sisters and they rule in harmony, this sacred land of 
Avalon. And so our first actual appearance of her is as this magical, smart, clever, shape-shifting, power-sharing goddess. And as time goes by in literature, she begins to shift as Christianity gets more like beefy in the Middle Ages and gets very, very uncomfortable with a very, very sexy lady wielding a lot of power, saying what the men can do and what the men can't do. Didn't like that very much. But her essence was this goddess of power. And when we work with Morgan Le Fay, she's very, she's a funny one. She's a shifty goddess because she doesn't really, I've been working with her for about, I don't even know how old I am, about 18 years. She doesn't really demand a lot of devotion and prayers and stuff. Your devotion to her is do the fucking work. And she's not really that bothered she hasn't for me or any of the people I teach she's not worried about the glory she's just there to kick you to do the spiritual work that you need to do and she will call in any other goddess or god to make that happen that you need she's this when Morgan Le Fay comes into your life she's this magical shape-shifting mist that sometimes is all around you and then she'll disappear in the background and you think you're doing something on your own and you're on this magical adventure to learn about for me Aphrodite and it's got nothing to do with Morgan Le Fay and then you'll give it like a year and then suddenly you'll be like surprise it was all about me all along and Morgan just she's the nudger she's the one that really brings us into connection with are in a priestess and makes that bridge between the magical and the spiritual and the very upper chakra energy and enables to funnel it into the real world so it can be a practical presence for good because I really believe that true spirituality and doing priestess work is less about doing fancy high vibe rituals and more about holding the hands of someone that's lost their mother. So it's really bringing in that practical edge of precessing. Do you have any other questions about Morgan Le Fay? Because I feel like I just went on a giant tangent of everything Morgany I like. <laughs> yeah, so if someone was wanting to connect to Morgan Le Fay, what, what could they do? Hmm. If you wanted to connect with Morgan Le Fay, I would lurk around outside at twilight because that's her time. She's a very twilight in between goddess. And her magic is that she is a goddess who goes between, I guess we could call it the underworld and this world and the upper world because she goes between the three realms. And if you get stuck in the underworld, she guides you out. If you're ignoring the underworld, she guides you in. So liminal spaces are really the time and place to connect with her. And one of the most magical ways to connect with Morgan, I feel, is through story. We don't have a lot of nonfiction, I don't know, mythology or witchy books about her. I'm going to change that, though. But we do have a lot of stories and fiction. And most people that are drawn to Morgan Le Fay, they've seen her in, like, King Arthur TV show or read a fabulous book or a trashy book where Morgan Le Fay was this 
sexy dark character and even though she was the baddie you're like she's the best person in this entire series pardon me morgan lefay i think comes out of this celtic myth and time where things weren't transmitted through oh here's a list of facts and you must learn them they're transmitted through story and story and imagination nourishes our connection with the divine so reading and watching TV shows about Morgan Le Fay, just going on a deep Pinterest dive for every single picture about her you can possibly find. All this beauty and this imagination, I feel that's one of the things that really amplifies our connection to Morgan. And I think any Celtic goddess, because storytelling was such a potent part of the Celtic way of life. And it's not like we have... Plato writing reams of information about how exactly all these goddesses were worshipped is something we have to rebirth and revive within ourselves. And I think that's so beautiful because what was relevant in like 800 BC in Athens isn't relevant to our culture anymore. So we need to find new ways because the goddesses evolve. They don't ever stay the same. They always change. And Morgan Le Fay has shifted and changed from what she perhaps was in say 500 AD as a perhaps a mother goddess or a grain goddess because she has big links to Caridwen and Madron and the Matronis, the mother goddesses of the ancient British Isles. So she's probably shifted from more of a mother goddess to a goddess of personal authenticity and spiritual initiation because she is the goddess you turn to if you are on a priestess path and you need guidance and help figuring out what the hell you do on a priestess path because she's the midwife of priestesses. And I think the clearest way to see that is that in the 80s, I think it was the 80s, the book The Mists of Avalon was written, which was a book about Morgan Le Fay. And that book has put more women on the priestess path than anything else. So if that doesn't make Morgan Le Fay a midwife of priestesses through the arts of story and imagination and reawakening this remembrance and this imagination that we can return to this divine love of the goddess and this power and this sexiness and this freedom of who we are while being divine, what else would prove that she's a goddess? Like the biggest goddess revivalist book was about Morgan the Fay. That's what she does. She brings us into the priestess path and then she makes sure we learn what we need to learn and then turns us around when we're doing something stupid. That's our girl. So to me, like with everything that you're saying, it sounds like she would be a very practical goddess and someone who you could call in if you were having, you know, specific issues with something as well. So for me, I recently connected with her to, as you say, go into the underworld. And some of the things that she helped me clear were actually through uh, my masculine lineage. That's sort of where my uh, Celtic history resides, through my dad's side. We have so many redheads in that side of the family with lots of big hair. And I just really felt her resonance at that time. And oh, it was strong over the last month. Mm -hmm. It was so Mm -hmm. strong. Um, I had to go, I felt like I had to really 
dig deep and go in deep. And I felt like she was there to support me. And I'm kind of getting some chills here as well. And so I'm not surprised that we connected today because it was like for a month she was here and I had her beautiful energy and you're right. It felt so different. So my my main guide who I work with is Mother Mary and you're right. Her her energy is is so different to that as well. So uh she was very direct too. And it kind of felt like as well that she was whipping me into gear. So for example, kind of telling me not to accept some of the things that I maybe have been accepting in my life, you know, putting those clear boundaries down for me as a priestess, particularly with that male line, you know, clearing the crap out from the past of that male line Mm -hmm. and helping me start afresh. So that's where she came in for me this year. I'm sure that she's worked with me in many other years, but, but this year over the last month, that was her direct focus with me. And she certainly made it clear that it was her that was helping me as well. So for you, was there something that she has helped you work through in particular, or do you feel like as your main guide, she's like helped you with so many different things? With Morgan, I've kind of given up trying to figure out which bits was Morgan helping me with and which bits was something else helping me with and which bits did I do on my own? Because it always just turns out it was Morgan and Faye the whole time. And for me, she's really, she pushes, does Morgan. She she knows and she sees your potential and what your soul destiny is. And then she pushes you towards it. And if you are in resistance of it, she kicks you towards it. And if you're in fear of it, she holds you so you can get through it. And if you're stuck in the underworld, She pushes you deeper in the underworld so you finally get the energy and the motivation to get out of the underworld. But for her, it's been a lot of, for my work as a priestess, she's been that ass kicker behind me the whole way. Like I never really thought in a million years that I could do this, the work that I do. And for me, my journey's had a lot of mental health and depression and anxiety and stuff. And a lot of self-worth demons and things. And she was the one who came in and said, no, Demi, you're going to sort this nonsense out. You're going to run this sister year. You're going to sort out your finances. Stop playing around, girl. We're going to get serious about this. And I was like, oh, (laughs) but she always pushes you towards what you're supposed to be doing. Even if you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, she pushes you towards the healing you need, even if you don't want it. She, it's like she can see what you are when you can't. So she holds that for you and she's not, like you were saying about how different her energy is from Mother Mary. I always feel like secretly in my little brain, I feel like there is a link between Morgan Le Fay and a lot of the Christian goddesses. And I feel like Morgan Le Fay Mother Mary, with her blue Avalon priestess dress and her big love, I often feel like Mother Mary is a... I feel like there is a link between Morgan Le Fay and Mother Mary. And if I want to do something that reaches a greater amount of people, often I'll go, Morgan Le Fay and Mother Mary, can you come in and let this blessing flow? Because I feel they are 
there is a sameness there. And I think the thing about Morgan Le Fay is that she is a sister goddess very clearly, which means she works with other goddesses and she works with you. So she kind of exists as your sister rather than your, oh, holy Aphrodite, you're so beautiful. It's a different energy. And she merges in and out of other goddesses very easily, very, very easily. With Morgan, she has just really kicked me into owning what I am as a priestess and doing this. That's been her biggest impact on my life and pushing me to do the next thing, no matter how scary it is, and to run Priestess of Avalon training, no matter how terrifying it is, and seeing that I can do it when I can't. And the biggest challenge is being able to surrender and trust that, okay, I don't know. My concept of myself is just so limited and silly. I cannot know or understand understand what I am or what I am to other people or how I affect other people or what I am capable of so I just need to give up and I just need to let Morgan tell me what to do and there's a ritual I do quite a lot and um one thing she says to me very often is why are you trying to why are you choosing what you're worthy for you don't get to choose those things I get to choose those things you don't get to choose your word I get to choose your word just let me do the stuff so She's pushy. That's what she is. And she gets the job done. And she won't stop until the job is done. And I love that, putting your faith and your surrender into the hands of the goddess. I just love that so much. Um, I know that that is my practice and my intention every day. And um, I can really relate to that as well. So going back to Avalon, how does she connect in with the energies of the sacred lands of Avalon? As far as I'm concerned, and I am extremely biased, Morgan Le Fay is the energy of the lands of Avalon. Avalon would originally probably be the Celtic otherworld. So if you read Celtic stories by Celtic, I'm really talking about British stories and Irish stories. People and say in the Arthurian myths, they often go on this quest into this almost other world and they kind of stumble into it a lot of the time which is where magic happens where everything happens in metaphor and poetry and you'll meet a fairy king who disappears and suddenly you're in a forest and there's like a dog that speaks to you that kind of thing so Avalon is really the Celtic other world which is a deep in a world where magic and wisdom and spiritual inspiration comes from. And I like to think of Avalon as the, it's like you go into the earth and you find the groundwater that is underneath everything and the rivers that flow through the whole of everywhere and everything. That's what the energy of Avalon is. It's the deep spiritual connection and spiritual wisdom, inspiration, energy that we find by going into the earth, not by ascending out of the earth. That's what I believe Avalon means for me. And there are certain places in the world where the energy of Avalon shines through even stronger because Avalon does have a very particular frequency or energy. And Avalon really holds this 
huge energy of love and this energy of magic and anything being possible and this energy of now I'm going to do a spiritual initiation to you and take you into the underworld and make you face all the stuff you don't want to face. That's the energy of Avalon. So it is not afraid of the underworld and it will take you there. And in Britain, there are lots of places where that Avalon energy comes through very strongly. Glastonbury is one of the most famous places where that comes through very strongly. And you can feel that energy of Avalon of magic of transformation of just big rolling deep in love through the earth through the landscape through the synchronicities that happen when you're there and one of the old stories of Avalon is that it's always an island that is accessed in the west often you go over seven waves to get there or something and it is this beautiful paradise island ruled over by a magical queen or a magical goddess, or a group of nine queens. You're always ruled over by a woman because in the Celtic mythology, the current of that thread of spiritual wisdom is quite feminine in nature. And this island and this land is just abundance and love and it grows everything you need and you can just rest and be healed there through rest, which I think is really important because we often think of healing as, oh, I've done a healing for you. You're done. Off you go back. No, you come to Avalon to heal and rest through being in the energy of Avalon. So it's a different kind of vibe. And there are places in England that push that vibe through really clearly, Glastonbury being one of them. Another place that Cornwall is another place that really, really holds that. And last year I did a retreat at, there is an absolutely magical little valley called St. Necton's Glen, which has a beautiful waterfall and is very fairy energy. That's a Morgan Le Fay power place. That's where the energy of the grail priestesses come through so strongly. And that's Avalon. And there are other places in the world where this energy can be accessed. I haven't been to Mount Shasta, but I've heard that it comes through there from some of my priestess sisters. Been to some of the mountains in California and you can feel it there in the forest a bit. And in the wilds of Scotland, you can feel it in the forest there as well. And in ancient rainforests of like the British climate, you can feel it there too. So that's Avalon. Avalon is magical. It's this place that we can access from all over the world because it's not really a physical thing. It's an energy. And when we are working on Avalonian Park, we're really working on connecting with that energy, returning to that energy. And I believe in, in the stuff I teach, it's about embodying and living the values of that energy. And for me, that is being unafraid of the underworld and being willing to look at that and having tools to deal with it. It is really being willing to work in community and deal with your own sister wounding and sibling wounding. So you can both support others and be supported. The being supported thing is the hardest bit for everybody. And working with the magic and power of being fully empowered and in your own magic and in your energy and being the power and the truth that you were here to be 
and healing power. So it's not a, oh, I am top of the hierarchy. I boss you all around. I am the best and you're all poo and you're going to come and get me one day. So I have to sabotage you all because there can only be one. It's this revolutionary idea of power over and changing what power structure is and coming into power with, just like that council of nine queens that rule where every single queen has her own super talent. One of them was really good at maths. One of them was really good at astrology. I'm sure one of them was very good at farming and agriculture. And they all had their own gifts that were given and worked together. So really holding those values of love and sisterhood and creating community, I feel like that's one of the big ways Avalon is rebirthed, by creating community, by coming at things from a place of deep, deep love, by not trying to fix everything and allowing that little space of rest. When we go to Avalon, we get to rest and everything is healed by being there. Our job is to hold that sacred space so people can rest in healing being, not by fixing. So for me, that's Avalon. Avalon is the best. And she's the trickiest, but she is mostly the best. And so how does, so as a healer, so with her as a healer and a herbalist and a witch, what does she really reveal to us? How can we, how can we sort of, I guess, embody what she calls into us more? Well, Morgan as a healer, she is a healer who in the stories very specifically works with plants and herbs. So in in my trainings, everyone learns herbalism. So then we can have that deeper connection with the earth. But I feel like one of the big things about that is she is pointing our way back to Avalon through the earth. And it is through our connection with the earth, through resting in the earth, through resting in the beingness of being with plants, that is how healing happens. It's not about doing or fixing, as I've said. And as a healer, that's what I really feel she is pointing us to. She is pointing us to heal through our presence, through connecting with the earth, through remembering that the earth is our mother and that's the place we should run to when we are lost or scared or when our partner's broken up with us and we have to run back home to our mum, that's that's the energy, that's the healing energy. And she also reminds us that a lot of healing is actually done through the underworld and through confronting the things you don't want to look at. So she really holds your hand so that you can have the strength to look at that part of your life that you have been ignoring for the last six years or so and thus has wreaked absolute havoc and destruction on every single bit of you. And then the thing she does is she holds your hand and for anyone who is either very Scorpio or very gets lost in the underworld quite easily, so anyone with depression or anyone who ends up on this end of life a lot, she goes, okay, you've had enough time in the underworld. Come on, let's get out. And you're like, no, it's safe here. I'm safe in my feelings of how terrible life is. I must look and find out how I'm wrong more. And she goes, no, come on, we're going to go. We're going to get out. I'm going to show you the way. So she really shows us the way out of the underworld because in the modern mythology of Morgan Le Fay, in the witchy world, she has the reputation of being 
she's the goddess of witchcraft and she's a dark goddess and she's the naughty goddess who messes with King Arthur and like creates trouble. But she is, it's less that she is like with all dark goddesses, there's this idea of let's be cool and wear raven cloaks and be very cool and dark. But the whole point of them is that they can love the difficult things and they will look at the difficult things. So Morgan will love and look at the difficult things with you. And one of the things about her modern mythology, when we just think of her as a dark goddess, we forget that she is a, she's a shapeshifter and she's kind of, I don't want to say she's a triple goddess because I'm not really a believer in the triple goddess thing, but she is the day and the night and the bit in between. So she has a underworld aspect, but she also has a bright goddess aspect where she's a fairy queen and a healer and a mother and an enchantress and just all the sunshine, nectar, dew on the lavender bliss of being alive. So she holds both. So when you get lost in the underworld, she's like, okay, you've had your time. We've got to get out now. What are you doing to yourself? And she's like, no, I want to stay. I know what it's like here. It's scary in the sun. But she she tries to bring you out. You have to listen. Otherwise, you get stuck there a long time. But if you're working with her, she can get you between those two parts, which I honestly think is the heart of healing. It's being able to go into the underworld, retrieve the wisdom, and come out again. Um, because we're not meant to stay there. Oh, that's what I felt coming into this podcast. I just felt this really strong resonance of fairies and the fairy lands. And it brought me back to my Nana. She is from Yorkshire over there and she's passed now. But as a child, she, you know, spent so much time in the garden and had such a beautiful connection with all the trees and flowers and growing fruits and even uh like the chickens and the eggs she used to like let the chickens come in and let them walk all over the kitchen and she had names for them and she really brought that fairy mystery to me and as I was coming into the podcast that's that's what I felt that fairy resonance and also I just feel like so many of us have lost that connection with going into nature, particularly if you're uh, living in a city or if you wake up in the morning and it's quite early and you've got to go to a corporate job and you're in the office. And so there's not a lot of time to connect back into nature each day. But lately, myself, my husband have really been making an effort um, on the weekend to go into the forest and just to feel that resonance. And the minute I arrive there, like no kidding, because I have a lot of um, breathing difficulties, like with asthma and stuff. And the minute I arrive there, I can breathe. I can breathe so well. And I just feel really supported. But but not only that, the minute I walk in there, it's like my energy is clear and free and I just hope that some of this transformation that that is going on in the world right now, I hope that, I mean, it's probably not going to be near, but I hope that within 20 years' time we move back to a place where we do have land that is ours, that we can, you know, plant the foods that we eat, 
and we can really connect back um, into nourishing our bodies with the herbs and with the land. And, um, you know, for us here in particular, you know, I feel like that's more of a treat rather than an everyday thing. So for me, like I'll go out and buy organic fruits and vegetables, but wouldn't it be beautiful to be able to walk into my backyard and have that myself? So I'm hoping, you know, over the next couple of centuries with all of the stuff that's going on in the world that we can move back to a space where we're very, very connected into, you know, everything that you're talking about. I feel that. And I also feel whenever I have a forest, my little one, about five minute drive from me. And every time I go there, I'm like, why are we not here every day? Why are you <laughs> taking me three weeks to get back here? It's five minutes from my house. I feel so good and so connected. And it's that I feel like we've created this separation between us and nature and that nature is something other than us, but we are nature. And this, this is nature because na- natural things was made it even if it is made from plastic they were natural things once and I feel like the whole healing connection with nature thing it's the rhythm of nature and the slowness of nature and that rolling speed and that that growing cycle like you were talking about and the things that would be wonderful to have in your garden how it's not nothing is instant and nothing is expected to be instant so there's this grace with being able to wait for things and this grace of expectation for something that hasn't even burst through the soil yet and this curiosity that I think the rhythm of nature brings us it brings us back into our body and into a more I guess healing or nourishing rhythm and pace of life I think with nature it's not so much that we are separate from nature. It's just that nature has its own rhythm of, it has a slowness and a depth to it that we, when we're in our minds and we're rushing around in the human world, we forget that that is us and this natural rhythm and slowness compared to what we're used to, like get done now, finish now, next thing now. That is innately nourishing and healing and regulating and the whole, like you said, about growing your plants in your garden, it takes, you plant, because we were doing farming this year, we were playing at being farmers, we grew courgettes and some kale, you plant the courgettes in your kitchen and then you're like, are they going to do anything? Are they going to do anything? (laughs) And there's this excitement and curiosity for what's going to happen and then you pop them in the garden And then you have to wait until they're big enough and they grow. And there's just this ease with ease with the waiting and this acceptance of the passage of time. I think that's quite healing for modern humans. And maybe that's why we're all so stressed and freaked out now. Because we don't have that deep connection with the way nature takes time. And it's waiting isn't frustrating it's just being I guess and that's how I kind of feel about my spiritual journey as well it's like uh it's not uh instant gratification is it 
It takes mm-hmm. a lot of time to really go through and learn all these different processes and uh, also learn about, you know, I know that you're a dancer and for me, um, my creations um, really come through my writing. So how does Morgan Le Fay sort of connect in with that creation energy and that energy of the uh, midwife and the womb space? So for me, Morgan Le Fay and the womb space and Morgan Le Fay is midwife. For me, she is midwife of priestesses and she's midwife of the spiritual journey. So she is the one guiding you through it, holding your hand when things get rough, telling you, oh no, it's okay because this is what's happening in your body right now. She's the one that doulas you through and helps rebirth you into what you're supposed to be, what you not supposed to be, what you actually are spiritually. So on the spiritual journey, she is especially for priestesses, especially for people coming into the divine feminine work, she is your spiritual midwife. She's the one who's going to hold your hand and be with you on your spiritual journey. And like you were saying, it's not instant gratification. And it takes a good few years to be okay with that. I feel like I've only just got okay with that in the last five years. And I've only just learned that trust of, Oh, it doesn't matter if I'm not that great at this now. I trust in 20 years it will be fine. Whereas <laughs> 10 years ago, I was like, must do it now, must be everything now. And everything takes time. And with the magic of the womb stuff, I think Morgan Lefay is a bit of a dark horse. She is very shape-shifting. She holds so many different aspects of Celtic goddesses. And one of the things she holds really powerfully is this fairy eroticism and this acknowledgement that this deeper acknowledgement of magic this is one of the things we go into a lot on my Cecilia class is that we have this modern oh Morgan Le Fay is the witch and she wears black clothes and she enchants things and she spells but there is this deeper layer to that beyond the spellcraft and the glamour of the dark and mysterious Samhain Samhain energy that is the fact that magic and creativity and all creativity and all magic is desire and all desire is erotic and this eroticism is just the breath and the essence of life and magic and Morgan Le Fay in her fairy aspect especially for me still for other people she really holds this incredibly sensual incredibly sexual energy of this being of magic that is full of her own desire and that knows her own desire and is desire and is magic and she goes from being the creature that wields magic to being the essence of magic being this erotic force of attraction and union and union and attraction and desire and attraction union all that stuff which is just what magic is which is just what everything in this world is basically everything is sex (laughs) at the at the heart of it all everything is sex and it takes different people different amounts of time to come to terms with that and Morgan Le Fay, as we, we work with her as what we call fairy lover, where she's holding that 
she's holding that essence of fairy and for me fairy is very innocent and very erotic it is this beckoned fertility energy and magic that runs throughout the natural world and that holds this fairy doesn't have the same hang-ups about stuff that we do at all fairy is very different to humanity and it is absolute innocence and absolute ecstasy and intoxication and surrender and letting yourself go and pulling yourself back and desire and immerse immersion in like orgasmic oneness and also in the adorable petty cuteness of oh I hate that thing or it's all of that without the human hang-ups I believe and as fairy lover Morgan if you are willing and wanting to, and it takes people a while because often people drawn to the Avalon path, the womb and sex edge of stuff, they're not expecting to find that there, man. They think they're going to be, when you come to the Avalon path, often you're chasing this image of this very kind of almost Mother Mary dressed priestess who is very otherworldly in between the worlds and is this um this ridiculous she's not ridiculous she's fabulous and we love her but she is this myth of the priestess who is separate from the world in a way and is above things like sex and orgasm and pooing and peeing and those kind of things and this is this is the remnants of patriarchy in our systems and Everyone I've have met on the priestess pathway who wants to become a priestess has to go through this big patriarchal reckoning of this is what I think a priestess is, and I'm literally beating myself up because I can't be good enough because this is the standard I'm holding myself to. And then when you come into the Avalon path and you're holding this, I am this beacon of peace, you're not always super ready for a sexy fairy lover who's like, what do you want? go get it, go have it, enjoy it, roll around in it. Is that really what you wanted? Did you know life is a game? Did you know this is just a playground? Did you know nothing's really that important? Actually, that's very important. But also, it's nonsense. Everything is play. Nothing is serious. That energy is a bit of a hard sell for some people when you come into the Avalon path. But everyone gets there in the end because I don't think especially if we're on an earth-based path, when we're going into the earth, when we're going into the realm where the deeper creatures and energies of earth live with fairy, we're going to be meeting this sexy energy because that is what life is made out of. That is undeniable. And in the old stories, Morgan, one of the reasons she was demonized and she was turned from this great lovely goddess into, she was split into the Lady of the Lake who was this benevolent, good lady, very Mary, Mary, uh, Mother Mary-esque figure of, oh, she's very good and she helps out the knights and she fixes problems and she's wonderful and she's so smart and clever. Uh, nasty, dirty, sexy Morgan Le Fay who wanted to, who was gross and horrible and wanted to like have sex with all the young knights and seduce them and make them do naughty things. So this 
polarization of and spitting of what she is. This is what we're healing now. And this is what we're healing collectively for women. And we have been for the last hundred years and we will continue to do so. And the sex aspect, the desire, the sex, the wanting, all the things that we kind of consider taboo, very, very important to working with Morgan Lafay. And I think the spiritual part, because I don't think being spiritual means ignoring the fact that we're human and trying to be some kind of magical superhuman angel. That's just patriarchal religion wrapped up with a goddess bow. And there is a lot of that, but there is less of it than there used to be. So we're getting there. It's good. So she's very much teaching us uh, to integrate those parts where we've put to the side and maybe held like in shame. That's what kind of came up for me. I know that's something I've had to work on, you know, over the last couple of years, sexual shame and uh, clearing, you know, trauma in those areas. And so, yeah, it sounds like she really helps us see that it's okay to have that side. It's okay to connect with our sexual energy and not even just connect with it, but also use it within our priestess work. So, you know, for you, um, you know, in your dancing and for myself in my writing, I don't have to write with perfection. I can actually, uh, you know, call in, call in her energy and, you know, make it something that just bring more essence and magic into it, not make it so structured, you know, embodied in that craziness, allowing the crazy to happen. Mm -hmm. I think the magic of Morgan is she is that um, integrate. I always feel like her symbol is the Vesica Pisces, that guy. Oh, yes. Her magic is that she brings this union of two opposites, but she also holds two opposites at the same time. So she's totally fine with the idea that you can be one thing and also the complete opposite of that thing at exactly the same time. She's not going to force you to choose one or the other or integrate one over the other because she's a shapeshifter. She shapeshifts all the time into opposite stuff. So why shouldn't we? Sometimes I can be super outgoing and charismatic and like big energy and other times I am the smallest small thing in the entire galaxy. And I just want to sit in a little cave made of pillows. But I am both those things. I'm both the small person and the big person. It's not that the big person is the good one and the small person is the bad one. Or that one has to be chosen. We can be more than one thing at once. And it's this goddess concept of both and, of not choosing hierarchy which is, I think, one of the big teachings of the goddess pathway. We're not choosing something as being better than something else. We're not choosing power over. We're choosing power with all the time and trying to find a way where we can be accepting of all the contradictions that we are because we're never not going to be a contradiction. There's never going to be a magical time where suddenly everything is magically aligned and balanced and all of us make sense with all the other bits of ourselves. There's always going to be something that makes no sense and it's absolute nonsense because we're just complicated, adorable little humans. We're not, we're not mind. We are blood and birth and feelings and tears and emotions. And none of that is 
logical. I'm never going to be. So just give up, everybody. Give up. <laughs> be all yourself and be okay with yeah. it. Yeah. And the message I was getting the same time as you said that was don't wait for that perfect moment because you know, if you want to start something or if you, if you're, you know, wanting to move on to the priestess path or you're wanting to create your spiritual business and you've just begun, or you actually feel stagnant in your spiritual business and you want to try something new, but you're waiting for that perfect time. She kind of tells us, well, there is no perfect time. You know, we're, we're, we're not perfect at all. So it's never going to happen if you don't start planning and taking action now. Mm-hmm. You don't birth into what it is you want to be unless you start and are terrible at it for a good long time. Because how else are you going to learn to be good at it? Yes. It's not. That's very and true. And with one of the big things that I have learned and relied on a lot is that you have no idea your effect on other people or who you are or what your energy is. You live in it. You just think it's chaos. But you just have to trust that what you have in your energy, you have no idea what it is. And it's probably bigger and more healing than you could ever think. Yeah. So just do it. Because yeah. if I hadn't started doing recess stuff like a decade ago, well before I was ready... I wouldn't be good at all the things I'm good at now. Yeah. I haven't started writing. I remember on my blog, I was writing when I was at university, my reviews of episodes of House MD. If I hadn't started writing that terrible blog, I wouldn't be writing the stuff I write now. If I wasn't doing my cringy belly dancing when I was 18, I wouldn't be able to do the stuff I do now. So you're supposed to start. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting that writing as well as has come up a lot because that's come up a lot for me today. Um, and my daughter came to me today and she wasn't feeling very well. And she also just kind of said like, you know, I kind of just feel a little bit lost as well. And mm-hmm. she was such a beautiful and fantastic writer at school. And then she left school and she's in, in her third year of uni. And of course she's studying law, which mm-hmm. can be, which obviously is extremely masculine. And I just said, do you know what? Like you are the most amazing writer and that's a really creative thing to do. And I just feel like that was a part of your your essence and and what you were supposed to put out in the world and you know maybe try and connect back to that and she said I think it's gone I think I don't have that anymore and I said no I think it's still there we just have to tap back into it and also not tap back into it in that perfection perfectionist way so yeah I'm hoping that she does something like that on the side as she's doing her university work as well. I feel like that's a piece of Avalon as well. You need to have something that nourishes yourself. No matter, even like for me, with my my job is everything I like. And I also need something that no one else gets to touch that is just for me. That's kind of what dance is for me at the moment. I need that other creative outlet and that other place of play because when it's university or when it's your job, the play gets shifted into something else and you need that nourishment from the play, from that fairy creativity, from that 
being able to be lost in something you enjoy. And it doesn't matter if it's art or gardening or coloring in, big fan of coloring in, or if you're a crazy person and you love tidying up. It's, we need that nourishing thing to keep us full. And that's why I do all the Venus stuff because that's the thing I forget all the time. Um, I teach it because I have to remember it. Yeah. Constantly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We haven't really spoken much about the priestess uh, Rose lineage. Mm -hmm. And so I was just interested for you, how does Morgan Le Fay connect in with that lineage for you? See, I didn't think she did. I've been in love with Aphrodite for a very long time. She's the best. And then... I've been in love with Aphrodite and I've been working and training as a mirror for an ascent priestess, kind of in the, kind of because I wanted to do more stuff that was Aphrodite-esque. And then, which is the mirror for stuff, which is working with sacred oils and anointing and holy oils, which is in the tradition of Mary Magdalene, which is in the tradition of the rose lineage of goddesses mm. that go all the way back through the Middle East, back to Ishtar and Anna. And, oh, there is nothing I can do that doesn't link back to Morgan Le Fay, and I've really tried. But with all these things, like with the scent precessing and the sacred oils, the Mirafors and Mary Magdalene, a big part of what they do is that they are the ones who come and lay the sacred oils on the body when someone has died and midwife someone through that death process. Well, Morgan Le Fay's most famous story is how when King Arthur dies, she midwives him through the death process by taking him across the waters to Avalon. She's exactly the freaking same. So I thought I was doing something completely different, but no, it's all Morgan Le Fay based again. And then as I was learning about Aphrodite and going really deep into Aphrodite and that love and joy and that essence of the rose and that softness of the rose... I realized that the rose, because of course the rose is in the same family as the apple. They are the same plant family. So we have roses, apples, apricots, all kinds of things in this almonds, all in the same family. The rose is probably one of the most Morgan Le Fay herbs of Avalon. And that is Morgan Le Fay is a rose of Avalon. That's what she is. And she is mm. this priestess figure of Avalon who is Morgan Le Fay and Mary Magdalene for me are pretty much exactly the same person just one of them's Christian lineage one of them's Celtic lineage they both hold this essence of sensuality and sexuality and feminine mystery and power they are both mothers but that is not the sum of what they are they don't fall into this trap of even Mother Mary whose name is Mother Mary where mothering is the entirety of their existence and even in modern goddess culture we still have this big reliance on mother goddess great mother 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 and this motherhood being the essence of what it is to be a goddess mary magdalene and morgan the fay don't care it is a part of who they are it is not whole of who they are they're both priestesses who Process the pathways and passageways through other people's lives. And they are both weird, misty, shapeshifter creatures. Because there's like a, there's like six or seven Marys in the Bible and they're almost interchangeable. 
And there isn't much actually written about Mary Magdalene. There's not a lot. There's almost nothing written about Morgan Fay. And their energy is just, they are both sister goddesses. They hold this sister energy and they will merge in and out of other goddesses and beings. And I feel like with Magdalene and Morgan, it's less, it is less that you are worshipping Mary Magdalene or Morgan Le Fay. It is more that you are unveiling the Magdalene and the Morgan Le Fay in yourself. Mm-hmm. So when we work with these goddesses, what we're actually doing is rebirthing that goddess alive through us. So we are, through working with Morgan Le Fay, we become a modern-day Morgan Le Fay. We hold that power in essence. When we work with Mary Magdalene, we become a modern-day Magdalene, holding that very Magdalene energy and that taste of Magdalene. And just, I can't do anything without it coming back to Morgan Le Fay. She links in everywhere. And with the traditional, traditional, last hundred years, esoteric history of Morgan Le Fay and Dion Fortune, who was a very big, very important esoteric writer, witch, medium. She's an important lady in Britain. And she was a big part of the modern day Western esotericism system that all of our Monday Wicca, New Age stuff, it's all roosted in there somewhere. For Dion Fortune, Morgan Le Fay was Celtic Isis. And she held that edge of the upper world and the underworld and this big piece of magic. So wherever you end up looking, Morgan Le Fay has this link to this energy of even Aphrodite who is another island goddess, who is roses and who anointed Hector with rose oil when he died. And to Isis, this goddess of magic, who is a mother, but that's not the whole of who she is, who has this consort who dies, to all the way back to Ishtar, who's my faves because she's the ballsiest goddess there ever is, who claims what she wants and what she needs. And she's like, I have this now. Dumuzi, plow my vulva. And she's just very clear on her desire and what she wants. And she is just pure power. Morgan Lafay is kind of in that same lineage, just from a different, from a slightly different culture. And we have to remember that the ancient world, we're so used to having planes and trains and thinking oh we can get everywhere now they're so lucky because no one in the past would have been able to do it that would have been a direct line from crete in greece crete and cyprus in the mediterranean sea to cornwall because of the tin trade and because of the need for bronze Mm. because cornwall is one of the few places in europe where there is a lot where there was we used a lot of it a lot of tin which is one of the main ingredients in creating bronze for the bronze age mm. so there would have been a back and forth from the west country from cornwall from that glastonbury area into the mediterranean for hundreds and hundreds if not thousands of years mm. so the whole of the ancient world was so much more connected than we usually give it credit for of course there would have been people living in the little villages who never went more than a mile away but there also would have been spiritual travelers and traders and sacred oils being passed throughout the ancient world and these traditions would have 
been led into new places and new continents. Magical, magical, magical. Yes, I think that was the most perfect explanation ever. Um, And I wasn't expecting it either. And for me, I feel like sometimes like Mary Magdalene can be a lot more relatable as well when we're trying to move into our embodiment. And also she can be a lot easier to accept into, you know, bring whatever healing um, that you need through. For me, although it wasn't subtle when she came in for me and we worked together over a couple of years, yeah, it just felt like a sister resonance. But I didn't really think about the Isis connection. And that for me is like the perfect triangle. It just it just adds up, doesn't it? So I look forward to exploring that piece further because it was like maybe a missing piece for me. Yeah, yeah, because I feel like Isis can also be um, more difficult to relate to, right? And but when we when we bring uh, Morgan and we bring Mary Magdalene and we bring Isis into the picture, now we we can um, really conceptualize what what she's about or or what she can do to um, help us on our spiritual journey as well. I feel like Morgan and Mag. They're very human, especially with the Magdalene story of having the seven sins cast out of her. She's messed up. And in the Morgan Fay stories, she messes up all the time. She is petty and she's bitchy and she makes mistakes. And I think that is what makes them easier to connect with than, say, giant queen energy Isis who's just glittering and big and the same kind of forceful energy as Inanna, right? Yeah. It's just so big it's hard to understand. And then with yeah Morgan and Magdalene, they're more like whoosh, misty, in and out and changey, in and out and changey. It's easier to play with. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Well we're coming to the end now. Could you share anything that you've got going on right now in your priestess work sure thing so if you want to find me on the internet i am rockstar priestess so rockstar like mick jagger and priestess like mary magdalene and if you come on over to my website which is rockstarpriestess.com i have this beautiful free gift so do you know aphrodite and the morgan are strong I don't do anything unless it's obscenely beautiful. So I've created this deepening guide to working with Morgan Le Fay. And I've made this beautiful illustrated Morgan Le Fay grimoire. And it comes with an Avalonian activation. So you can take what we've been doing and talking about today with Morgan Le Fay and have a really embodied experience of that, which is yummy. And because she's also the goddess of magic and really connecting with that sense of enchantment, which is something that we lose so easily in the Morgan Le Fay priestess activation free gift that you can get on my website. It comes with the grimoire and the fabulous activation, but it also has a beautiful ritual that you can do that just really connects with your enchantment again which is just so important for walking this Avalon path. 
And especially in this world where we know too much about everything terrible that's happening all the time, when we lose our sense of enchantment, we get stuck in this idea that the world is a terrible place and we forget to see the beauty. So working with your enchantment is one of the most magical things you can do. So you can pop on over to rockstarpriestess.com to find that. And I also run a year-long Morgan Le Fay Mystery School, which takes you through the eight archetypes that I work with. She's got loads more of Morgan Le Fay and deepens into a way to be a living devotee of Avalon and be living these qualities because I'm all about embodiment and practicality and if you know that nope nope I want to be a priestess and I've got stuff to do and I've got people to serve and I need to be there when people die and when they're born and all that stuff god damn it let me do that I run a priestess of Avalon training which is a bit intense but if you like really intense things that might be for you working with the three Morgan Le Fay aspects of precessing which are the rights of the underworld the rights of life and the rights of sisterhood so creating community creating ceremony and celebration and honoring deaths and endings and letting goes so that's what i do on the internet you should totally come and find me rockstar priestess and that sounds absolutely divine and magic and um i just want to thank you so much for coming today i really appreciate your energy and time and also all of the magical wisdom that you've shared you're so welcome it's been so wonderful thank you i'm mel sienna magwick and you've been listening to the love soul miracles and magic podcast you can follow me on instagram at the rose mother thank you so much for listening